Hello, Dave. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Alrightish. Good. Did you get your shower and everything? Yes, I am clean. I'm not doing this dirty. That's good. That's good. I wish I could say that. <laughs> Is it that hot and sweaty up in Canada? Uh, it's actually been muggy the last couple of days. We got we got rain after not having rain for a long time. That was probably the rain we so had the other night. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where uh, it's always climate change. Uh, if it's if it's dry and and hot and there's drought, that's climate change. And if it rains for a couple of days really hard, then that's climate change. Uh, we used to call that weather. Well, see, but that's so 20th century, Dave. you got to get with the modern times. Everything has to I be know. 17 syllables or else I it's not know. real. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. So I mean, are we recording? We are recording. I mean, here, here's what kind of crazy world we live in. Warner Brothers spent millions of dollars to make a Batgirl movie and apparently have decided they're shelving it and never releasing it ever. They only did it for tax purposes. Uh, that's a theory. <laughs> I, I think that DC's got to be getting gun-shy about... Uh, what's, the, what's the newest one? The Super Pets one. I was reading... Uh, cost $90 million to make and had like a $15 million opening weekend. That's, you know, it's the good thing about having your own intellectual property that you can say, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, w I would not envy the, the good people at AT&T having no idea how, this, how, how any of this works, as nobody knows how any of this works. Um, it's one thing to go to Las Vegas and gamble with a few hundred dollars, but once you're up around 90 million every time you sit down at uh, uh, at the roulette wheel and you keep losing consistently, um, you could end up not having an AT&T before you know it. <laughs> I'm sure they'll get okay, a bit. We Moving on. We start with... We start with the usual, as you say. A, I believe it's your turn for a Jeff Memorial, and yes, it is. Um, this is this is just a, just a quick little story. Um, Jeff, who had a, a twin brother, the twin brother had a severe illness a couple of years back, severe enough that he was in uh, in hospital for a length of time and. Jeff uh, found out about that. And Jeff flew down to the uh, down to uh, his place to do the, the next of kin duties, um, staying at his brother's place and doing a giant pile of laundry and uh, cleaning out all of his, uh, his his twin brother's beer empties, which sounded like a major task in itself. Um, Jeff and his brother really, really didn't get along, so this was uh, definitely all good Samaritan stuff on uh, on Jeff's side. He was uh, Jeff was you know like uh, troubleshooting uh, for his brother's tenants. His his brother had a 
a large enough house. It wasn't like an apartment building or anything, but it, it was a triplex or something. And um, like I say, Jeff was doing some troubleshooting with tenants. tenants. Uh, he was, my, my mental impression is that he was there for like a good week or two. And uh, <laughs> I remember Jeff telling me about uh, how freaked out his brother's cat because this guy looked like their owner and uh, sounded like their owner, but you know, as only uh, animals can can uh, intuitively understand, uh, they could tell this wasn't him. Um, I I think that's a funny story. That's to me. That's why cats are so endearing. They're they're really stupid and. Uh, they get freaked out by things we understand, and they couldn't possibly understand. Uh, stupid is endearing. Uh, patronizing on our parts, yes. Uh, condescending on our parts, yes. But uh, reflecting uh, what I would consider genuine endearment. It's a, it's a nice story, the idea of, and, and Jeff made a point of telling me about this, how, how freaked out his brother's cats were. You said that... Uh, you left uh, his brother a phone message at one time, and it was scary how much his oh, brother it, sounded like Jeff. It, it sounded, for, for half a second, I'm like, is Jeff messing with me? I'm like, no, that's right, no. Because Jeff had said that the two of them, you know, they look, because they're identical, they look alike, but they even sound kind of alike. Although I think his brother has a, a further southern twang over the one that Jeff had. Which anybody right. that's watched the service movie and, and heard Elrod, that's Jeff. Yes, yes. I think his brother was always in the South. I, I can't remember if he was in uh, in Texas or Arkansas, but it was, wherever he was, it was about as South as you could get. I thought he was in Minneapolis okay. for a little bit before Jeff went there, but I could be wrong. Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, we uh, then the boys in the band want to know, hi guys, and Margaret, and this is uh, Birdsong being the uh, uh, damn it, Birdsong being uh, being the spokes guy here. I was going to send just send this to Matt, but I'm still not sure about something. Margaret, your website lists Psycho Annual Number One. 1972 is having a contents page illustration by day. Uh, I found a copy on archive.com. And when I first saw it, I said, no effing way did Dave do that at 18. Uh, but the more I stare at it and ignore the gray tones and just focus on the drawing underneath, the more it begins to look like maybe it is an 18-year-old Dave. Or am I blowing sunshine up my own skirt, inquires Birdsong. And, uh, yeah, I understand that that's actually illegal on the Internet now. But, uh, yes, you are just uh, blowing sunshine up your own skirt. Uh, no, the, the picture, that's done by uh, Pablo Marcos, who did a lot of work for, uh, for Skywald. And after Skywald folded, um, he had... Uh, uh, an even more extensive career uh, inking at Marvel, I think. He was one of the few of the Spanish guys who could do a sort of 
plausible Neil Adam. Uh, most of the most of the Spanish agency guys uh, look more like uh, Esteban Maroto. Um, uh, Bert Song is right that there's there's no way I could have done that at age 18. Uh, but it, it brings up the interesting thought that I I thought I was at least as good as Pablo Marcos at the time, uh, which I think is what endears us to God. We're stupid, and we have no idea how stupid we are. Uh, I think God is more interested in the process of each of us. Uh, in this case, me. Um, uh, in us learning to perceive more accurately and as accurately as possible, God being omniscient, knowing what uh, limitations are on those for us uh, as individuals. Uh, I, at age 18, I'm only this talented, which is nowhere near as talented as I want to be, uh, nowhere near as talented as I think I am, uh, but I can get better if I work at it, which, yeah, which I did. That's, that's really what I chose to do with my life. Um, the, Greek, the Greek term for God's love, um, I never know how to pronounce it because uh, I've never heard anybody pronounce it. It's spelled like agape. Um, Agapa, I think it's agapa or agape. Um, uh, anyway, it takes endearment uh, to a whole new level of, of uh, concept being uh, a, a quality of preciousness. Um, love, love to the level of this is a, a really precious thing to, to me personally. Um, in this case, the me personally being God, um, and that quality I see as being an implication of omniscience, and thus having no quality of patronization or condescension. Uh, God doesn't look at us as cat videos, I don't think. Although, uh, most of the time he would be very justified in thinking, um, this is like a really bad cat video. So, uh, yes, that's that's my answer on that one is uh, no, I did not um, do the, uh, the content page illustration in Psychoannual number one. Um, Margaret almost never gets anything wrong. So when she does, we all get to gloat. So, do you have any material in Psychoannual Number One that you know of? No, no. The only thing that I had actually published by Psych in uh, Skyworld was in, uh, I believe, it was the last issue of uh, of Psycho, which was, I think, the winter special, and that was just a script. That was Cry uh, uh, of the White Wolf was within that one. Okay. So, yeah, I, it would be interesting finding out from Margaret where she found this out, who, who she heard this from. Um, 
I was going to, I forgot today to check my uh, Overstreet guide to see if, uh, if they got it wrong, because when Overstreet gets something wrong, that, that spreads like wildfire. And just, you might as well just accept the fact, well, yeah, I did the contents page in psychoannual number, uh, number one, 1972. Uh, there's no arguing with Overstreet. At th that point, can you just put that illustration in your portfolio and try to get work? <laughs> there you go. And find out, the, uh, and I just hope that uh, Pablo Marcos doesn't find out about it. <laughs> uh, where are we? Okay, so there's the illustration. So we're past that page. There's the edited one. So we're past that page. And then uh, MJ Sewell, Mike Sewell. Nice to hear from you again, Mike. Hope you're still writing. Hope you're working on your next book. Um, feel incredibly guilty now if you aren't or haven't been for the last while because uh, you, you've definitely got to get your next next collection of short stories out, says Dave Sim. Uh, hey, Manly Mac, a question for Dave or please hold for Dave Sim. Uh, in all my reading, you almost always call yourself a cartoonist. Why do you call yourself a cartoonist and not an artist? Thanks, MJ Mike Sewell. Uh, okay, I I, uh, I agree with you. Like I, I do say that. Um, when, when asked or when writing about myself. Um, I come from a time when a cartoonist was how you described somebody who uh, wrote and drew comics. Um, I think that got carved in stone with uh, the Kirby Awards and then the Eisner Awards and then the, uh, the Harvey Award, that um, uh, best cartoonist meant best guy who wrote and drew his own material, both, um, as opposed to uh, best artist or best penciler or best inker. Um, an, arti an artist just makes the pictures as opposed to writing words when you're talking about um, an artist in the comic book field, in other words. Um, if it has words on it, you aren't an artist in most people's mind. That's in the general societal sense. That, uh, uh, a paint, you know, a painting is art, but all, all exceptions do lead. No, that paintings don't have words on them. Uh, art with words is considered a lesser, lowbrow art by the general public. Um, that that could be changing as well, and that that'll be my qualifier throughout my answer. Is you're talking about somebody who you know still still back in the 20th century. Um, how, how I mean cartoonist when I say uh, I'm a cartoonist is as an all-encompassing uh, catch-all term 
for all forms of comic and cartoon art. Uh, the, the, category, the, the category is broad enough, um, cartoonists, that it includes uh, animators, storyboard artists, uh, magazine cartoonists, editorial cartoonists, the guy who draws Daffy Duck comics is a cartoonist, and the guy who drew Heart of Juliet Jones is a cartoonist. In that context, the the, uh, the sort of the the widest spanning umbrella. Um, I'm a cartoonist in the same sense that a hockey player is an athlete. So that's the answer. Um, in, in terms of what you're asking me, Mike, that's, that's why I would say cartoonist, because when I'm answering the question or I'm defining myself, uh, first of all, the people in the comics field, people that are familiar with the comics field, and then defining myself also to people who aren't in the comics field the, the most accurate term for what I do is, uh, is cartoons. Um, that, but, oh, okay, so that, to qualify that, I would say, uh, uh, you, you, we, we need to go, we need, we need to attack the other list, which is why other things besides cartoonists uh, aren't, aren't the answer. Uh, if, if you stray away from the blanket term, uh, cartoonist, you get into accuracy trouble. Uh, as an example, uh, the term illustrator implies a, a greater level of precision to uh, professional rendering than does cartoonist. Uh, the Curse of Peanuts thing. Uh, Jack Kirby was a cartoonist. Stan Drake was an illustrator. Um, uh, let me put it this way. On Cerebus, I was a cartoonist. Uh, rising to the level of illustrator when it was called for. Uh, obvious examples would be uh, uh, the photorealism stuff that I did um, in, uh, in latter days, uh, Jaka, particularly in, uh, the end of, um, a form and void, uh, the, the end of the, the going home, that was my best attempt to draw, uh, a, an actual female, as I pictured her in my head, having, uh, known her as a fictional creation for that long, um, that was far more precise a, uh, a rendering than uh, anything that would be, would, would qualify uh, as cartooning. Uh, so uh, me rising to the level of illustrator when it was called for, but mostly cartooning. So, uh, if, if I'm being accurate about, uh, 
describing myself, it's still it's still safer to say cartoonist than artist because you know I'm not a fine artist, and uh, I was I was infrequently an illustrator on on Cerebus. Um On Strange Death of Alex Raymond, I was an illustrator. Um, so. Uh, you know, there that that covers the why I wouldn't use a term that didn't broadly cover both of those categories: do people in the comic field and do people um, in the quote-unquote real world. Um, I don't describe <laughs> uh, I don't describe myself as a graphic novel. Because to me, graphic novelist sounds uh, both pretentious and pejorative, mostly mostly in the real world environment. Um, it has slightly different meaning in the comic book field itself, but in terms of your average person, if I was to say, uh, I'm a graphic novelist, that's, that's what I do. Um, it, it, as, soon as, as soon as you get over in the real world, usually a graphic novel has graphic violence um, just for the sake of the violence, like Dark Knight Returns or The Killing Joke. Uh, made up violence to, to generate uh, how, how would you even describe that? Uh, to generate uh, cathartic revulsion in people who find the experience of cathartic revulsion uh, entertaining. Uh, uh, apart from the, that's apart from the accident itself. Apart from the accident itself, that isn't an apt description of strange death of Alex Raymond. Um, you know, the part uh, that, that, that Carson did, uh, Jack Van Dyke wincing at the, uh, the, the quote, ears torn off his head, unquote, cover, uh, is alluding to that. Uh, she's reading a graphic novel. She's a comic store manager. So she expects it to have gross-out violence in it. Uh, the only, but the only violence in Strange Death of Alex Raymond is uh, this is how this comics illustrator died. Which you know, if you call the the graphic novel uh, Strange Death of Alex Raymond, that that's what you're addressing. But but even there, it's it's a very uh, what the actual accident what's happened in the accident, which, you know, I am getting to will be a, a part of uh, the overall graphic novel. In terms of page count, it's not, uh, uh, it's definitely not the, the, the center of Strange Death of Alex Raymond. Uh, that then gets into, oh, okay, we're here in 2022. Uh, Grandpa's still back uh, in the 20th century sometime, but uh, everybody else, everyone within the sound of my voice, 
uh, is in 2022. So um, in that, uh, how would you sum it up? The, the all electric, all online world um, everyone else lives in, all of these definitions are, I'm sure, or I would imagine, or experience tells me are changing. Um, I'm not on the internet, so I don't get swept up in the, um, this is what we call this thing now, that's, that, um, from my reading about the internet seems to be the center, the center uh, that's the center of the internet. This is, this is what we call this thing now. Uh, we didn't used to do that as a society for, for most things. Uh, I'm not aware of the new definitions because my de as I say, my definitions come from the ancient all physical world of the 20th century. Uh, now, now dead and buried and unmourned by most people. Um, what what people online agree to call something is what it is uh, today. So I can't, uh, you know, I, I call myself a cartoonist for all of these 20th century reasons. I have no idea. Um, where the uh, rapidly mutating and spinning out of control uh, all electric, all online world uh, is using for the basis of its, of its definitions. Uh, it, 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 let me cite the example of floppy. Um, that's to me, internet people inventing an insulting term for something that they want to insult, uh, which from outside the construct, and this is outside of the internet, this is where grandpa is, <laughs> seems to me the inner circle of the internet within the inner circle of the internet. Uh, we have to have accurate descriptions of everything so we know what to hate and what to insult. Uh, the culture wars are, uh, I, I noted this, where's my note here? There. The culture wars are red state people figuring out to wait what to hate and what to insult in the blue state world, and blue state people figuring out what to hate and what to insult in the red state world. Uh, the world, again, the world I came from and that I perceive myself as, as still being a part of, we agreed that there was one world with specific properties. Uh, that's gone now, I think. Uh, Oscar Lebesque, I wrote here, was way ahead of the curve when he came up with Twin Earths. So I, I, you're, you're, you're an internet person. Like, I, I don't know how much of your life you spend uh, on the internet, but too uh, much according it, to my wife. What's that? Too much according to my oh. wife. Okay, more than her, in other words. No, she she lives on her iPhone, but it's you know I spend hours crafting a blog post 
and she'll spend hours just randomly looking at things, but they're they're not equivalent in her mind. And I'm kind of like, okay, but you know, yes, I spend too long doing this stupid blog, but at the same time, it keeps me off the streets. I mean, it's right. it's a it's relatively also, it's also, go ahead. It's a relatively harmless hobby. I mean, very rarely does it rise to the level of anything anybody's going to get really mad about. Right. Right. I mean, the 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 problem with the internet is that it it's very much the uh the sociological experiment with the mice where the, they train the mice to, pre to press the button to get the food pellet and you know and when they you know it was it was first it was the Pavlov thing of okay we ring the bell and then you get a food pellet now it's a okay you got to go push this button and you'll get a food pellet well they use that research to build social media you know you're it's not a oh, okay I'm gonna look at one more post and then I'm gonna be done it's a I'm gonna look at one more post and then I'm gonna find another post and another post and another post. you know it, it's 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 built in you know they they understand the psychology of of humans and it's I want another one. I want another one. I want another one. Well, that's great, but you're getting a fat head, and it, and it's and it's, right. it's eating it's eating empty calories mentally. Which right. I mean, it's a great right. way to spend ten minutes, but when you're spending hours just you know looking at videos or looking at pictures of, I mean, the one I can't understand that I'll never understand because I'm just old enough that it makes no sense to me is. Why are we taking pictures of our food before we eat it and posting it on the internet so everybody can see our meals? Right. Uh, I would suspect that that is whatever is um, the, the most heightened pleasure response in a human being. They are going to want to take a picture of that and put it online because when you're in the restaurant and your food arrives, that's probably the happiest you're going to be. Inside Inside of an hour, you're going to have indigestion. And that's not nearly as much fun as being hungry and looking at something that's way too expensive and uh, a seductive temptation. Well, it's even boiled over to my friend's wife makes dinner and posts pictures of, this is the meal I made. I'm like, okay, on the one hand, yes, you're proud that you made dinner. But on the other hand, Nobody cares. It's not like you're giving us the recipe. You're just saying, I made food. Well, congratulations. You're a self-sufficient human. Well, she cares, obviously. And it, would, it wouldn't be a meal until she took a picture of it and posted. I guess. I just... it, 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 is, it is the, uh, um, to me, the, the, the scary side of television that uh, finally compelled me to uh, to get rid of get rid of my television. Um, it's time it's time to admit what this is in your life, Dave. Uh, Steve Bissett gave me a book called uh, Four Arguments for the Elimination of Television," and you know, having read the book and gone, yeah, can't argue with any of that. Uh, I still ha still had a television. Uh, in any other category, that's that's a junkie. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's just it's one of the, the internet. It's a wonderful tool that we turned into 
it's not even an advertisement anymore because what social media sells is your eyes looking at whatever it is somebody pays to put in front of you. And and knowing that, it's like, you know, I don't care about... I mean, I, I used to go... I, I deleted the Facebook off my phone today because I'm spending time on Facebook clicking the button to make the ad go away because I don't care, I don't want to see it. And a week later, it's the same ad popping up again, and it's like... They're training me to fight them, but at the same time, the only way to win is to not play. Right, right. Which is, the, you could say the same thing about, uh, about the casino. It's what? like, if you're stupid enough to go into a casino, and you don't own the casino, uh, you're just asking for trouble. Well, but my friend is... I forget what percentage Native American or Indian or indigenous people, whatever the politically correct term is, but he, he worked at the Indian casino, and, you know, if you ran into him, he was like, oh, hey, thanks thanks for coming by and paying my paycheck. You know, he, he it was no bones about it of, a, oh, yeah, he's glad to see you because you're going to lose money. And, right. And, I don't know, it's just... I mean, getting back to, to Mike's question about why you call yourself a cartoonist is that, well, you're an artist, but the art you picked was cartooning. You know, if you'd been a painter, you would call yourself a painter. If you'd been, you know, a musician, you would have been whatever, you know, whatever musician you would have been. I mean, and I can, I can see why saying cartoonist, I mean, on the one hand, well, cartooning is, you know, is the redheaded bastard stepchild of the arts, but at the same time, no, it isn't. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it is an art form unto itself, you know, and, and like, the the animator thing, I mean, it still blows my mind. Like, I, it was only a few years ago I discovered that Salvador Dali and Walt Disney teamed up to make a cartoon back in the 40s. And it got shelved, and... Like, a few years ago, somebody at Disney went, wait, we have a Salvador Dali, you know, co-produced cartoon, and we never finished it? And it was, well, yeah, no, it was going to be part of Fantasia, and then it got shelved, and they went back and found his notes and finished the cartoon, and you can watch it, and it's like a seven-minute surreal fantasy, and every time I watch it, I'm like, this shouldn't exist! This, this is the part where my brain goes, Salvador Dali would never have made a cartoon with Disney, and it's like, no, he totally would have made a cartoon with Disney. <laughs> right. The only right. part that I can't believe is that it's it's a standalone, somewhat serious adult kind of thing, and in my back of my head, a little voice is going, you know Dali kept going, can we put Mickey in it? Can we put Mickey in it? Can we put Mickey in it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want to put Donald in it and have Donald get surreal, and it's and no, we, we're not going to use the, the the cartoons. It's this is high art, Salvador. We're we're doing high art. It's like no, we're not. We're doing a cartoon. That's right. That's right. It would be it would be interesting to find out what Dolly actually thought, as opposed to what he was saying uh, when when he got himself uh, mixed up in this. I mean, it, it like it, one one of those. Uh, at some point, I have to, you know, uh, 
do something like this. You, you, uh, I, can, I can't walk away from this because this um, meshes with some interior quality that I've got that says uh, um, this, this is what integrity is, is that you do something like this when you're presented the opportunity. Or if it was, uh, no, I've, I've got a lot of integrity, but uh, I, I, I really got to uh, find some way to expand beyond the parameters that I've gotten myself boxed into, which is one of those things every, every artist or every cartoonist, uh, you're, you're going to arrive at that point where you go, why is my career this narrowly confined? And it's like, well, because you made a specific set of decisions. It was always zero or one. Sometimes you picked zero, sometimes you picked one. And this is the little narrow box you ended up in. There's any number of little narrow boxes you could have ended up in. Okay, um, then we've got Michael R. of Easton, Pennsylvania. It just wouldn't be, please hold for Dave Sim without, uh, without Michael R. showing up for a visit. Uh, hi Matt, hope you're enjoying your summer. Side note, I paid it forward to Benjamin Hobbs on Service and Hell hardcovers number 11 and 12 for series six trading cards to a deserving Cerebus fan of Ben's choice. I hope this re this reduces my sentence with you. So he he's, he, he owes you brownie points, doesn't he? Uh, he doesn't owe me anything. It, we had an awkward we had an awkward confrontation because he sent money trying to buy signed Jeff Siler cards. Oh right, right, right. And this brings us back to last. Um, our last get together. Keep going. And and I, I think rightly was that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. And 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 sent him his money back and and sent him a signed card. Like okay, here here's a here's one card. But like he was trying to buy four of them. And I'm like why? And he explained it was a set for him and a set to go to somebody else. And I'm like, but that's that's not the point. The the, the whole point here is we're remembering Jeff. You know. Anyone that knows Jeff can get a card. Anyone that's got a Jeff story, you get a signed card. That's you know trying to trying to get m more Jeff stories coming in because eventually you and I are gonna be like, hey, remember that time that Jeff did that thing, and you're and the other guys go, yeah, but wasn't that great? And then we're gonna move on. I mean, we're not gonna have an an infinite supply of Jeff stories. At some point, it's gonna be. Didn't we already talk about the time he did that thing? So. It's not that I'm mad at Michael. It was just it. It was I was trying to be delicate without being you know, being firm yet delicate without you know saying hey never darken my doorway again. It, it's just a okay you know this wasn't what the intention was and I I didn't think people were gonna go oh hey I want to buy one of those like well yeah but they're not for sale. That's the whole point. Right. I mean I didn't I didn't. Which uh, which again, you know, approval is an authoritarian concept. Uh, you can try and make yourself the arbitrator of that, but um, what what you say, this is what we're doing, and what you say, this is what this is. Uh, when that hits uh, Michael R's radar screen, uh, 
it goes to a completely different different place on his radar. That goes to uh, I need four of these. And and that's you know it's one of those if anybody's got a story and they want to you know send me an email I'll give you my address mail me a self addressed stamped envelope and I'll mail you a card back. It's it's a fairly simple offer, but of course you know it. Like everything else in the 21st century, let's make it as complicated as we can, because why not? Right, right. And you only get uh, three responses, and two of them are completely messing up your entire, your entire intent, from, intent from the get-go. Okay, moving, moving on to Michael's question. Hi, Dave. I loved all the Matisse and Snow original art cards. Uh, I keep looking at update number 20 that Birdsong had on service number 4-6-7-78 and POT 8.2 with all the cards that you created. Any chance of reproducing all of them and putting them in a set for the next big Kickstarter? All the best, Dave. Uh, Boy, I got to tell you, I, I've said this before about Michael R. That uh, uh, people are really going to think that uh, Michael R. is just this "please hold for day sim" audience plant <laughs> uh, because because now that I finally finished finally finished the third uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number eight cover, uh, have you put that up yet? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm announcing the ginormous TMNT8 Kickstarter in January will be done by Waverly Press, uh, which I will be faxing Dagan about. So, Michael R., uh, I'm going to be faxing Dagan on Saturday, so you're going to be finding out the same time that Dagan is. How cool is that? Uh, Dagan already ordered uh, Pieces of Turtles 8 and Pieces of Turtles 8.2 for himself personally. So he has those as raw materials for whatever he's going to put together. Um, Picking and choosing what he wants to use and doesn't want to use. Um, I mean, as, as, as with my TMNT covers. Uh, I'm making this. I make. I make suggestions to Dagan, and that's really what it is. Here's here's what seems like a good idea to me, but uh, Dagan puts a lot of time and energy into his Kickstarters, and he's the rainmaker when it comes to comes to bringing in money. So I'm really only comfortable uh, giving him suggestions. So uh, I imagine he will use all three of my uh, Turtles 8 covers. Uh, I'm suggesting four, uh, since I'd like to have uh, a black and white variant of the cover, uh, the the cover where I adapted uh, one of Kevin and Peter's interior panels. You know which one I'm talking about. Right. The, the actual the actual cover recreation the one that uh, I got a blue line gun of Kevin's wraparound cover and then uh, uh, painted uh, in my in my own style 
Uh, I'm happy to just let uh, David Birdsong go to town on that one. Uh, but but getting to your actual question, Michael, um, Roly will be emailing Dagan high-res scans of the Matisse cards next week. So same deal. Dagan can use one of the cards or all of them or none of them. I agree with you. I think it would make a, a cool uh, cool set. Uh, while I was doing them, I was, uh, as, as the Brits say, re-chuffed to see how good the cards looked when I enlarged them 200% to, uh, to fax them to David Birdsong to keep as much detail as possible in the facts. Um, so that's another suggestion I would make today. Hey, why don't you do the Matisse cards, but do them, uh, do them twice the size of, uh, of the originals. Um, what was the other thing I was going to, I was going to, oh, uh, and I, I'm, I'm hoping Kevin Eastman will open up his secret TMNT8 file which I didn't know uh, existed until uh, I had a nice chat with Kevin uh, about, a, about a month ago. And uh, I'm hoping he will, he, he, he said he was going to uh, mail me copies of everything in his uh, TMNT8 file. And uh, some of it was pretty interesting. I, I don't think he mailed it to me. Um, so. Uh, if he did, and it, it got lost in the mail somewhere, I think it's just one of those uh, good, good intentions things. Uh, Kevin in, intended to do that. Uh, he's just turned 60 years old. Uh, when you're in your 60s, your good intentions have a way of, uh, of just just going the way of all flesh. Well, um, if he, but I, I, I hope. Go, go ahead. If he did, San Diego. Which I, I don't know if he was there or not, but I mean, San Diego Comic Con was, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? So it could be that, you know, he was, okay, I'm going to go out, do the convention when I get back, then I will scan everything or copy everything and get it in a box. Or it could have been a case of you opened up the file drawer and went, uh oh, this is a lot more than I remembered. Uh, or could be both. Could be both. Yes, Kevin's doing. Uh I, I think he said like uh, something like 75% of his income is from doing shows. And uh, like he says, just show up and be Kevin Eastman and, uh, you know, beat everybody and do little turtle heads and, uh, and, and, and sign them. Um, so uh, it, it, was, it was interesting talking to him about it. There was, there was uh, he was talking about stuff that was going to be in the book and didn't make the cut. Like I, I, I was picturing that, you know, this this comic book mushroom to forty five pages long, and that was just the size that uh, that it got to. No, he was even more enthusiastic than that, so that he had to cut it back to forty five pages. Uh, evidently, uh, there were there's uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie characters that were supposed to be. In Turtles Eight, uh, I forget what their names were, and there was another um, Cana uh, obvious Canadian reference, K 
character that was supposed to be in there. And I, I, I'm, you know, my mid sixties, I, uh, that, that went in, in one ear and out the other. Uh, but it's like, uh, Kevin, Kevin said, he's got the, he's got this, uh, um, uh, this file that, that's got all of this stuff in it. Every, everything that, that he put down on paper about Turtles 8 from, from the time that I said, yeah, let's do it by all means. Send me, uh, you know, send me a script and, uh, and, uh, Bob's your uncle kind of thing. Uh, so that leads me to, uh, <laughs> to my uh, my phone message uh, that I left for Kevin, uh, which uh, I actually wrote. How, how many people actually write their phone messages and then uh, sort of sort of tweak the humor? And uh, it's uh, uh, Kevin has this thing where when he leaves a message for me, he goes, "Mr. Sam." And then there's a pause, and he goes, "It's Mr. Eastman." So this is now our ongoing thing where I uh, I go, "Mr. Eastman, it's Mr. Sin, is calling to thank you for the giant pile of money I'm about to receive from pieces of Turtles 8.2 Kickstarter. Most of it at your expense. I literally couldn't have done it without you, Kevin. Twenty-something thousand dollars is a giant pile of money to me. I freely confess." Your results may vary. I just finished my third and final Turtles 8 cover. So I'll be announcing on Please Hold for Day Sim, August 6th, that Waverly Press will be handling the ginormous Turtles 8 Kickstarter in January. Why let me have all the fun? With Waverly Press's capable assistance, you can shamelessly exploit yourself, Kevin, and your secret trove of Turtles 8 memorabilia. I'm going to give Dagan James your cell phone number. Because if I don't, how else could he contact you? Telepathy. I don't know why I said that. It just popped into my head. Anyway, let's leave no stone unturned. Neither Mick, nor Keith, nor Ronnie. In pursuit of the ill-gotten booty, to which you and Peter and myself are entitled at the expense of our decades younger, less wrinkly selves. Hope you are the same. Dave. <laughs> so I left that mm, a week and a half ago. And as I say, on Saturday, when people are presumably listening to this for the first time, I'm going to write Kevin's cell phone number uh, on that little script there and fax it to Dagan James. And that's when he will know he's the guy. The clock is ticking. Five months from now, we've got to have, as promised, a ginormous Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 8. Kickstarter. Grandpa's last payday <laughs> is the way that I look at it. Gonna stack up on the expensive cat food while you still can. That's right. That's right. Before all the cats get it. It's like, uh, I, I, I don't like to be patronizing and condescending, but if it comes, if it comes down to who gets the good cat food and who doesn't, uh, sorry kitties. Grandpa, Grandpa's got a pull rank here. So, somebody called and, or some, not called, somebody emailed and was asking if I had any more copies of Pieces of Turtles 8.1. And I'm like, 
No, but I can look into it. I mean, you know, you're looking for an official, I want, you know, I, I want the bells and whistles for CGC type deal, or do you just want the contents? And he's like, oh, I just want the contents. I'm like, well, let me, let me, let me look into things and I'll, I'll come back to you. And I emailed Josh even going, hey, was anybody seriously going to take Dave up on his offer? Or... Does it sound like everybody pretty much passed? And he said, well, there was one guy that was gung-ho he was going to do it, but I haven't heard anything in a while. And I'm like, thinking about it, I'm like, I could come up with a cover. And, I mean, it's not going to be the greatest cover, but if you're only buying the inside of the book, it doesn't matter what we slap on the outside. So no matter what crap I do, it would still be, you know, okay, ignore the cover, just read the interior. And then I thought about it, and I came up with like five or six fairly funny ideas. Like one of them, it's a strip where it's a turtle and service around a campfire eating something that they killed and, you know, and are eating. And service says, so there's only four of you in existence? And the turtle's like, yep. And service goes, then why the masks? And it's like six panels of just the turtle's face and at the very last panel, he's got a panic look on his face, and he goes, Oh, God, I've wasted my life. <laughs> and I'm like, that's kind of funny, but it's not really a cover. That'd be like a back cover. And the, finally, it like a bolt of lightning, it hit me. Well, you know, there's Matisse, which is service mashed into the turtles. Who would Matisse fight? And the answer is Surin mashed with the shredder. And I went, and I, you know, mentally got this image of Sirin with the Shredder armor, and you know, confronting Matisse, which is service as as a turtle. And I'm like, okay, what's the dialogue? And it's prepare to face the wrath of Big Mama Shredder. And Matisse is either saying or thinking, and I can't decide which one is funnier. But it's either a thought balloon or a word balloon, and it's funny. That's what Matisse calls his dick. So as I, I think, go ahead, go ahead. I, as, I interrupted there. As the guy who can say, Matt, no. <laughs> you f feel free to say, Matt, no, and and, I, and I'll just file it away as a, oh, that was a funny idea, but you know, we'll let it go. Or okay, Matt, uh, go ahead. <laughs> I I would say you you better contact Gagan about that. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is one this is one of the big pluses. Uh, for me, in not being the guy doing uh, the ginormous Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number eight uh, Kickstarter, is that I'm not the one who's going to arbitrate. Uh, and how how are you going to arbitrate? It's one of those. Uh, the rock and the hard place is uh, the rock is the number of people who went. This Spawn 10 was the absolute coolest Kickstarter. I can't believe I've got all of these great covers. And the if they ever do this again with this many covers, I'm a kill somebody. <laughs> I, I and it's like uh, that. That is one of the things that I that I am happy to uh, to hand off. And I, I have to say, one of the things that I admire about Dagan 
is that uh, when he makes up his mind about something, he's made up his mind about something, and it really doesn't doesn't matter to him uh, what 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 you think about him or if you will never ever buy anything ever 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 from Waverly Press ever 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 again. Um, you know that's fine, and uh, the. But between that rock and the hard place, when you start squeezing those two together, the thing that pops up is um, Dagan going, what is the absolute coolest thing that that I can sell here? Where, uh, who can I get to do a cover that uh, we can make it a stretch goal or something like that? Uh, they don't even find out about it for the, for the first week or the first week and a half or whatever. And then... Uh, Oh my God, that is so cool! I have to have one of those. I mean, we we already sort of went through this with the uh, um, the collection the, with Josh. It, it is it, that was Josh's collection. Well, not completely his collection. He's got some in there that uh, that weren't his, right? Yeah, there were a couple that that the dragnet caught them, and I was just putting. I you know, I, it was all in one file, and I moved it to a separate file of, okay, it's Turtles, it's Service, it all goes together, and then I found out afterward, it was, yeah, but some of this Josh doesn't own, I'm like, eh, that involved more research than I was willing to do. So, right, right. And, and now, now that's, that's off of your desk, and off of my desk, and onto Dagan's desk. Um, I, I suspect Dagan is going to get his own covers done, just because that's the kind of guy that uh, that Dagan is. I think he, I think he already had uh, had Carson working on one. I, I don't know if that was for Josh or if that was for Dagan. Uh, Carson did did the one where it's service on a skateboard going across and wiping out, and the turtles are in the background initially cheering him on, and as it progresses, they're doing the face palm because he's so bad at what he's doing. And I mean, it's right. a, it's a I, if I remember right, it's the there's the original, and then I think there's a colored version where it's supposed to look like the Turtles video game. Hmm. Okay. All right. You have both well, of them. Yeah, if like, I I, have. like I say, this is. I'm just glad that this is off of my desk, so I'm not. Uh, I'm not the one having having to decide this. It would it would be interesting to have uh, uh, people in the comment section saying um, this. This many variant covers and no more. Well, that's there's going to be people of I want everything. And there's going to be people going. You guys should just limit this to half a cover. Like, do a cover, but rip half of it off, and 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 that's it. Because there's right. too many damn covers in the world. My my thing was right. if if I do my cover and I do a printing, it would be like going through Alfonso and you know the original deal of. Paying Alfonso, paying Rolly, kicking some money to you, you know, do like a, a run of 50, have them all signed, and okay, you know, there's 50 of them. When they're gone, they're gone. I'm never doing this again. It, it's a, you missed out on the initial, you know, if you're a completist, this isn't going to be the best cover that could ever ha be produced. This is, it's going to hopefully look neat, but at the same time, I could completely whiff it, and it could look like total dog crap. Right, 
Right, and and again, what the, the, the more more that I listen to this, the more I go, I'm glad this isn't my choice because, like you say, it it really does need to be authorized by somebody. We can't just say, uh, well, okay, it, free for all. Anybody that wants to do one, go ahead. Well, and if, if Dagan's going to reprint the material from 8.1, that makes my me doing one completely superfluous and unnecessary. And having officially been known as kind of a lazy guy, you know, the, the, the best solution to any crisis like this is, oh, I don't have to do anything? Well, that's what I'm going to go with. Right, right. Um... Yeah, that, that's one of those. As soon as as soon as you add time to uh, a time span to that situation, then you're then you're in a different situation because you can say uh, we it, it, there there will never come if if Dagan does uh, another version of uh, of the of the eight point one. Um, no one will will ever need one after that. It's like no, that doesn't work. It's the same as uh, I said, probably through up through the 1990s, if not into the 2000s. Uh, Turtles number eight will never be worth anything because there's 70,000 of that. That that doesn't work. It's uh, no, it, it, eventually you come to a point where uh, no matter what, somebody will discover something for the first time and go, I had no idea that this existed. How can I get one of these? I mean, same thing with, uh, you know, three, three different versions of, uh, of the Guide to Self-Publishing. And uh, you still get people going, um, you know, I've been looking for this all over the internet. How, how, how can I get one of these kinds of things? It's uh, it's it's the curse of uh, of um, being being the supplier, and all supplies are finite. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's one of those where it's it's you. There has to be enough of whatever in the world, and you find out that eventually somebody's going to be like, I didn't know. I mean, that's the email I got was, oh, hey, I was wondering if there's any left. And it's like, there hasn't been any for since the week after I got them. But, you know, it's one of those, yes. I will look into it because I know that there might be a guy doing a copy. Otherwise, it's, uh, you know, okay, I guess I can work on this in my free time, my, my ha-ha free time. I mean, I, I have made a mock-up of a cover. The The intention is when I get the mock-up to where I think it's all right, I'm going to go to the copy shop and see if they can do non-reproducible blue illustration, you know, print out non-reproducible blue, blue 11 by 17 originals, and then I will, you know, knuckle down and, and teach myself to, to ink type deal and make it look as good as the uh, Glamour Puss ad I did for... Jeff Seiler in Service Readers in Crisis Number Four. Right, it's right. it's Dave's art, but I'm tracing the crap out of it. See, there's also the uh, the situation of 
uh, Kevin, uh, when I was when I was talking to him on the phone, said, uh, "Yeah, I'm you know I'm still in touch with Peter. Peter and I, uh, you know, we're not the, uh, you know, we're not not as close as we were, but, but we're still in contact." And I said, uh, "If I send you." Uh, an extra copy of 8.2. Can you can you forward it to Peter? And he said, sure. So presumably Peter's gotten a copy of 8.2. Um, what if they see your cover and Kevin and Peter go, we have to do this? <laughs> then then you're talking about a whole different category. Yeah, at that point, that's uh, that's when I I. I as the humble little schmuck that I am, go, okay, bye. <laughs> you guys can do whatever you want with this idea. Right, which is good, which is good. We're, we're always going to keep that as uh, open as an option. Anybody comes up with an idea for a, a Turtles 8 cover uh, between now and, let's say, October. This is, a, this is another element that I'm making the suggestion. Actually, Dagan made the original suggestion. The more I think of it, the more I think the Dagan's right about this. Uh, printing everything ahead of time so that as soon as the Kickstarter ends, then you start shipping the stuff after that, and um, he can sell whatever are the leftover copies on, uh, on uh, Therapist Overload. Um, anybody coming up with an idea, uh, who knows? You know, uh, get, uh, Stranger things have happened than, than Kevin or Peter or Kevin and Peter going, that's really cool, I want to do that. And uh, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that Dagan will have, have his ear to the ground uh, throughout, throughout the entire process. Which brings us to, I think this is our, our last question. I decided to uh, include uh, Kristen but uh, not to include Eduardo. When I when I looked at uh, Eduardo's response on um, whatever the Portuguese uh, Brazil Therabus, um publication trade paperback, whatever it is, is going to be, uh, there's there's just. Too many questions with with no short answers. Um, so, Eduardo, I will be getting back to you, but I'll be getting back to you in in text form by relay facts. That's when I when I was gonna send I was gonna send that up and Kristen's up, and I'm I'm like I was gonna do it. I think I got had him, and I was gonna do it on Monday, and, I'm like, and I just got busy, and then it was. Uh, getting the facts ready. I'm going well. There's these two, but at the same time. I probably shouldn't, and I'm like, that's why I'm like, nope, I'll just, I'll throw them on as a, hey, if you really want to, we can, and if you don't want to, I totally understand. Right. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, let me shift through my, uh, my little faxes. Uh, hey, Matt, it's uh, Chris, I, I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Kristen. Uh, Hunwardson, uh, towards the bottom of today's Amok blog, there was a Cerebus sketch cover drawing done by Dave and a letter faxed, uploaded, asking if he'd be interested in doing that particular sketch for a commission. 
Uh, he had blacked out all my information, uh, name, address, uh, which I appreciate. But that was, in fact, me. And seeing as he did that colored sketch and added my name, Kristen, uh, on the bottom left of the cover, I take it that he is, in fact, interested. Uh, sweet. I'd love to own it. Uh, I still have my money that I was intending on pledging on our service number four art auction on Heritage. Um, and thank you for, uh, for participating in that, uh, Kristen. Uh, does he have a payment preference? Uh, cashier check to Aardvark Anaheim Incorporated? Uh, yes, that would be my uh, preferred form of payment, which is going to lead into uh, if anybody else wants to uh, play the home version of our game, uh, here's, how, here's how it's done. Uh, does he accept PayPal? Uh, not from the U.S. because we're really only set up for uh, Canadian dollar um, uh, payments at uh, uh, the PayPal on therapistdownloads.com and uh, my agreement with Gerhard is that he gets 25% of everything that, uh, that comes in on therapistdownloads.com and so I prefer not to have um, $1,000 commissions with $250 going, going to Gerhard when, uh, when he didn't do anything on it. I don't think Gerhard would expect that. Uh, card, no, no credit cards. Uh, we covered that one. Fees, yeah, the fees were just getting out of hand, and uh, I suspended Aardvark Anaheim's Visa and MasterCard accounts and have never had cause to regret it over the years. And also, it, uh, it doesn't say it direct, but is he asking for $2,000 for the art cover? Uh, it's beautiful, but I do want to be on the same page. If you wouldn't mind assisting on this, I'd appreciate it. Thank you, Kristen. And yes, thank you, Matt. Uh, hello, Kristen. Rolly mailed you the service, the sketchbook. So for the moment, let's leave it at that. Wait until the sketchbook comes in. Uh, and then when it comes, or it might be an if, you know, if it comes in, this, uh, this, this whole thing seemed really, really smooth and beneficial uh, with absolutely no downside, and that always gets me suspicious because it means, okay, I, I'm, getting, I'm getting set up for a custard pie in the face here, but what the heck, I'll, I'll, I'll play along, and this is the potential custard pie I see in this one, is uh, Kristen pays me for the cover, and then uh, the cover never actually never uh, gets to him. So uh, if Kristen can keep us posted on that, uh, it w there was. Um, but yeah, you know, wait until you actually see. Uh, I would be very happy with uh, with two thousand uh, dollars. The, ori the original is. Um, very different from a scan of the original. If uh, if you see it and it's that much better than you thought it was going to be, yes, I'd be I'd be tickled to death with uh, 
with two thousand dollars. But I'll, I'll leave that up to you. You said like a uh, thousand or more than a thousand, so that's why I was again leaving that up to you because this was a complete um, serendipity uh, kind of situation. Of uh, it, it really couldn't have come together, and I'll explain this in a moment. Uh, couldn't couldn't have come together in uh, a more a more unlikely unlikely or uh, serendipitous kind of way. It seemed like a a comic art uh, metaphysics kind of thing um, because it was uh, first of all um, your letter was the only piece of mail that came in that week that wasn't uh, a bill or just you know, a request from a charity or something like that that uh, I had to deal with on that level. And it came in the day after I finished the, uh, the painted Turtles 8 cover where I probably learned more about watercolor painting um, than I have learned from the watercolors that I've done over the last 30, 40 years. And going, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty interesting. I had no idea that there was that much obvious stuff that I didn't know about watercolors and that I, I now do know about watercolors. So it seemed resonant with, uh, I think I've told you the story before about uh, Bill Sienkiewicz making the decision that he wanted to make his sketchbooks look more like his finished art and his finished art look more like his sketchbooks. And uh, when I got the Turtles cover done, it was, it was, it, it had been a salvage job from about <laughs> the middle out. Um, I got it halfway done and went, okay, um, I really have no idea if this can be saved or if I know how to save it, but uh, uh, I'm just going to leave this hanging on the wall and look on it, and look at it uh, reasonably frequently until I'm pretty confident that uh, I'm ready to tackle it again. And uh, I actually did did save it. It's like that that almost never happens. Usually you you try to save something and it's like well it doesn't. The best I can hope for is it doesn't suck as badly as it did at the halfway point, but it still sucks. It's like, mm, no, it, it actually didn't, didn't suck when I was done. And uh, <laughs> one of the interesting things was because I was learning more about watercolors than I had ever learned before uh, over the last 30 years, the, uh, the test sheet that I had, which is the same for testing the watercolors, um, same size, 11 by 17, as uh, as the cover itself. Uh, I looked I looked at it and it, and it had that that Bilson Kevich quality where I'm going. Uh, I want to make my watercolors look more like my test sheet, and my test sheet uh, look more like uh, like my finished painting. Uh, I was looking at the patches where I was uh, mixing. The, the color of the clouds and figuring out how to do the clouds and going, this looks so much better on the test sheet than it does. And I, uh, 
note note to Margaret, I will be I will be signing the test sheet and sending it to you, so you can scan it and uh, and and vouch for my claim. Uh, I might even circle the area that I'm talking about. And it was uh, yeah, if if only the sky on the turtle's cover looked like the uh, the area where I was mixing the gray and the blue, uh, that'd be really cool. So it's like, well, okay, you did both. It's not not as if somebody else did the test sheet. This is this is your test sheet. You just weren't anguishing about the test sheet, but you were anguishing about the painting, which is probably where your where your problem is coming from. Don't don't do that. Don't don't anguish about it. Just uh, put the clouds on, just as if you were you were testing the color on a test sheet. Um, instead of going, okay, here we go, everybody tense up, we're getting ready to do the class. So that had all come to the end um, the day before. Uh, I get, I get, when Rolly picks up the mail, so I get the mail on Thursday, uh, unless he's downtown doing errands for somebody else, uh, in which case he'll drop off uh, the mail on Wednesday. He, 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 dropped, uh, he got me the mail, and it's like, I opened the letter, and it's like, um, it's got a My Comic Shop copy of the sketchbook uh, cover um, in, a, in a plastic bag with a backing board. And it's, uh, you know, if I paid you $1,000, would you be interested in doing something on this? And... Uh, do you have, you know, kind of a counter offer? Uh, you know, you saw the, the the thing that he sent. So it's like I'm looking at it. It's uh, Rolly gets here about uh, between ten to nine and, and quarter after nine, depending on what's going on on Thursday morning. So it's uh, it's quarter after nine, and I'm going, okay, my my brain is still swirling with all of this watercolor um, information, knowledge that I've developed, theory, um, be like this, don't be the way that you've been for the last 30 years with watercolors. Uh, here I've got somebody willing to pay me at least $1,000 for something on his sketchbook cover. I know that watercolors can be done on the sketchbook cover. Uh, and all of my watercolors are still sitting up. I, I, I haven't put them away because I just did it last night. So what can I do uh, between now and when Rolly is leaving, which is uh, usually a uh, little afternoon, uh, depending on how much time he spends over at Studio Comic Express uh, going over stuff with Alfonso. Uh, Ken, can I, in effect, get a Cerebus watercolor done in an hour or an hour and a half and still have the rest of the day to work on Strange Death of Alex Raymond and confirm for myself, yes, this is the way you want to do watercolors. You don't want to do them the way that you've been doing them. And it was an interesting 10 or so minutes of going, well, if you're going to do it, you have to, you have to start doing it now. You can't sit in, think about this, or the longer you think about it, the more uh, implausible, unlikely, 
unworkable it's going to turn out to be. So I went, okay, rip open the plastic bag, take out the sketchbook, put it on the drawing board, and uh, do a do a quick Cerebus uh, pencil sketch uh, of Cerebus, and then just went down the checklist while I was doing it. Um, here's here's what you want to do, and here's the order that you want to do them in, in order to do a much better watercolor. And uh, I, I won't go down the checklist because it's it's fairly expensive and it's it's pretty esoteric. But uh, sure enough, uh, an hour and a half, um, hour and forty five minutes later, I had it done. Uh, it was serendipitous as well as well because. I was uh, experiencing severe money paranoia, which happens when I haven't gotten money in on anything for a while, and uh, I'm still I'm still paying bills, but uh, the money's all going out. Money isn't coming in. Um, baby boomers, particularly, are completely phobic about that. And, uh, uh, no, something has to be done about this, and it's like, well, okay that's going to relieve some of that stress as well. If you can say, whatever else happened today, I made at least $1,000 US in an hour and a half. Uh, the more of that that we can have around here, the happier a camper grandpa is gonna be. Which uh, leads me to uh, the circuit, circuitous route that I've been following to try and lead to the point if anybody else wants to do that, if anybody else wants to send me uh, a check or a money order made out to Aardvark Vanaheim, uh, doesn't have to be a sketchbook. I've still got some sketchbooks here if you want it to be on a sketchbook or if you just want it that size, basically comic book cover size, and just go, uh, I want the next one of these that, that you have available. And uh, I'm not going to say it has to be a thousand dollars. I would say, but I would say the fact that Kristen said uh, I was going to put a money order for a thousand dollars in the air, but then I decided I didn't want to be that presumptuous about it. Uh, it his instincts were good. He, he probably should have just put the money order in there um, so that we didn't have to have to talk about the rest of that. So. Anybody listening to this who goes, yeah, I would, uh, I would like that. I would like to send Dave uh, something in the vicinity of a thousand dollars U.S., knowing that uh, when I when I send that on, let's say a Wednesday, he's going to get it the following Thursday. He will do it when he gets it in because it'll be a Thursday, so he can start at nine o'clock in the morning working on it. He'll get it done, Rolly will wrap it up and mail it. And theoretically, and pretty solid theory, uh, two weeks later, you will have your finished Dave Sims Cerebus watercolor. Okay, I will, I will talk that one up to everybody of, uh, hey, you can get this. But you, you know, and, and it's, it's a cash and a barrel head deal, you know, there isn't going to be, we're not going to bicker, we're not going to haggle, it's, if you send the money, you'll get it. If you don't send the money, guess what you're going to get? Nothing. Nothing. And, 
uh, it, it would it would be proportional to whatever the money was. I have to say, Kristen, like I say, this is completely serendipitous because if you had just sent a letter saying, uh, are you interested in doing commissions? And that was it. Then it would have been, uh, not really, because I, I know, you know, then the next question is going to be, uh, how much do you charge for a commission? And it's like, well, I don't really do commissions, so the more you offer, uh, you know, the, the more likely you would be able to attract my immediate attention. And I can say, you know, it's uh, in these inflation-ravaged times, uh, $1,000 U.S. is $1,000 U.S. And uh, if, if, if you want to attract Dave Sims' attention, uh, that's, that's going to do it. So um, I, yeah, I, 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 leave it, I leave it there as an offer. I don't know if this was just a one-time uh, comic art metaphysics. Uh, how many different things can you have stacked up in, in, in one piece of art uh, coming into existence that had to happen in that exact sequence for it to happen? That's why I'm hoping that uh, it wasn't a... All of these things happened perfectly in uh, an immaculate sequence, and then uh, it got lost in the mail, so it's a, it's a custard pie in the face. Ah, ha, ha. Uh, my, my friend Kelly is an artist, and years, like 20 years ago, when I was hanging out with her, it was weird. I wanted to date her, she didn't want to date me, but I was, you know, the nerdy guy that was just hanging around, hoping that she would, you know, randomly change her mind. And she's like, it's weird. And I'm like, what? And I'm thinking, oh, okay, she's finally, you know, going to see the light and like, oh, yeah, this guy. It's like, when you're around, it's like you're my muse and I get more done. And I'm like, that's because we just sit around while you work and I goof around. I mean, it's, it's you know, I'm not distracting you by, hey, let's watch a movie. Hey, let's do this. It's a, you said you had to work. I'm just here to, you know, keep you awake while you're working. And she had a piece that she sold, mailed out, gone. Postal Service ate it, so she had a quick do a recreation of the piece, which she had copied. You know, she had scans of, so you know she knew the general layout of what it was. But you know, it was slightly different because it's a recre. It's it's not a line for line recreation. It's a this was what that piece was. This is another version of it. And then she did a second piece as, as you know, just a quick sketchy type piece as a thank you, and mailed it out to the guy. And like um, six months later, got got oh yeah the post office found this and delivered it to me so here's here's some extra money type thing so right. and, uh, the post office does have a tendency to eat things so I mean I'm hoping I'm pulling for you Kristen I'm pulling for you but I, I you know I'm, I'm we're all gonna think good thoughts about that sketch cover getting to his hand yes and, and, and hopefully it's already there I mean it has been uh has been almost a week. The same thing happened with, I think it was Steve Swenson, um, where I did a Cerebus and Yoda um, uh, drunk on the town, and he wanted it in pencil, and the post office lost the first one, so I did a second one, and then, yes, it does tend to happen that the first one does show up, but it it shows up only when you've given up all possible hope of ever seeing it again, which is 
which is why I think both Canada Post and the U.S. Post Office have a rule that it's not considered lost until at least six weeks have gone by and you have to have tracking for it that says, yes, we tracked it this far and we have no idea where it went after that. I, I love tracking because Paula will order stuff off the internet and get the tracking number and she'll get updates of, okay, it's here, okay, it's there. And like, we order the kids school supplies and they're, you know, 50 miles away. Okay, you know, that makes sense. There's a hub 50 miles away. It's getting put on a truck. And then she got the message, they're in Chicago. And she's like, that, no, that's backwards. It doesn't come, it doesn't come close and then go far. And it was... It was, yeah, no, this this particular package, which was, it'll be here tomorrow, was, nah, it'll be here at the end of the week. It's like, apparently somebody put it on the wrong truck or something. I mean, it, it, we're all human. Some people don't understand, you know, that, hey, this pallet is for this place, not that place, but it's the same dive. It's it's funny to watch, you know, because it's, it's like the, the uh, Norway cards that Dagan sent you that, you know, how do you send something from America through Norway? <laughs> Canada. Well, it, it it does happen. We we know that it does happen. Every everybody gets a turn. Okay, I think uh, as as wildly as improb improbable as it may seem, I think we brought that in at an hour and a half. The the last question I know that was on the list that might have gotten lost was, uh, I think Dan Eckert was the guy that asked. So with the reduced print run for the last day is there still going to be a Waverly Press edition or is that going by the wayside with with reduced print runs uh, I would say there's either going to be a Waverly Press edition or there will be something um, obsessive compulsive disorder matching the Waverly Press edition, so that it it looks like it belongs with uh, with the uh, with the other hardcovers. Uh, uh, Alfonso has talked about uh, he's wanted to get into hardcovers for a while, so this is one of those. Um, I still haven't broken it to him that I I'm pretty sure he's going to be uh, printing everything. Uh, for us from now on, so uh, uh, it would it, it would certainly streamline things if um, Alfonso was able to do uh, Waverly Press hardcovers for Waverly Press because um, Fagan actually does a fair amount of business through Alfonso now and realizes that Alfonso knows what he's doing, so it's not as if um, you know, suddenly telling Dagan, hey, guess what? Your service hardcovers are going to be done for Alfonso. He's not going to scream out loud and start pulling his hair out kind of thing. Well, so, because the last day only technically had one printing, because it was all done, you know, at once, the, the signed edition and the unsigned edition, and that print run lasted for 15 years, do you guys know what that print run was? No. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm assuming the bill for it I, might be in the archive someplace. 
is one of those uh, uh, pretty much everything is in the archive someplace but that would be uh, backtracking over um, 18 years I could I could ask Roly about that because uh, Roly is the one who uh, when we when I finally got to the point where I went okay uh, we need to get a little more organized on this in terms of this stuff doesn't have to be at Camp David because it's not uh, something that we're we're going to have to refer to uh, and that's definitely in that category um, receipts from uh, 2004 2005 uh, so that would that would be a couple of questions for Wally. Like, did, did you prioritize putting this stuff in order over at the storage unit, which is the alternative place to um, uh, put that material uh, so that if I said to you, can you get me any um, print with those uh, receipts or uh, bills for uh, for printing for 2005, uh, they are, it's pretty organized from that standpoint that uh, all of the, all of the printing print litho bills in a box full of uh, Artvark Van Heim bookkeeping for a given year uh, are in the same place. So it's like if you, if you dig through the pile and you find the, uh, Printy print litho bills and pull them out. It'll be in there somewhere, and it will have the quantity listed with it. But um, everything, everything at Artvark Mannheim has always been uh, hurry up offense stuff. It's like uh, we don't we don't have time for a huddle. <laughs> we're just every everybody. Uh, here's what we're doing. Get on the line. We're going to. You know, uh, we're going to run the play. Let, let's hope we get we get some yards out of this. Let's hope we get some major yards out of this. And that's the way I've lived uh, my whole business life from, <laughs> uh, from the 1970s on. Well, I just because if if like a uh, the minimum marquee order would be a thousand books, and a thousand copies of the last day would last probably another fifteen to twenty years. Does your storage have enough room for those copies? If we were to like kickstart a, this is what the bill is going to be for a thousand copies, you know, plus extra for shipping them all, you know, would it would it make sense to try to to do the pie in the sky? Hey, let's let's raise twenty grand to print a thousand copies or whatever the cost would be, or is it or is the you know going through Alfonso just in the long run, going to be the smarter deal because it's going to make more sense of, okay, we only print 50, 60 extra copies, and when those are gone, those are gone, and then we'll think about printing again. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's a gut instinct call. I think that's where we're going. Um, I think that's where uh, printing and publishing are going with a capital G as opposed to 
going with a lowercase g or going in quotation marks, uh, we've always been going in that direction. Um, talking to Kim Prenny on the phone uh, a while back and saying, uh, I really wish that you could see Alfonso's press uh, that he prints comic books on because, you know, uh, Kim knows the size of the presses that they have, the, you know, the Heidelberg Web Offset presses. And uh, it, it took up um, a, a, a lot of space. You needed an uh, industrial basin size area in order to, uh, to accommodate it. Um, and Alfonso has it as part of his, uh, his comic store operation. It's like it's a comic store in uh, uh, basically a large strip mall and one of the smaller stores, he's, he's moved into one of the larger ones, but it's still, uh, it's still not, uh, you know, Walmart-sized or anything like that. And it's like the, uh, the press uh, fits over in the corner. Um, the same thing that the, uh, the pre-press that we used to do, um, oh, the name of, name of the place slips my mind. But uh, the first time that uh, they upscaled to an industrial basin location, it, was, it had to be you know, the size of a, uh, uh, a Walmart or a superstore. And it was all just, this is, this is what we do here. We do um, pre-press printing. So this is the section where uh, you know, everything gets pasted up. Uh, this is, um, you know, where the negatives are shot, and then uh, over here is, you know, shipping department, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, when they finally went out of business, and uh, we stuck with them right to the end of Cerebus, they were in a strip mall in a very small store location, and still doing everything that they were already doing, but uh, the, the technology had gotten. Um, and, and become microscopic compared to what it used to be. Um, the guy that, that used to own uh, the operation uh, was, was one of the partners, that it was interesting because uh, he was uh, showing his girlfriend the operation and uh, uh, was showing her uh, pre-press material done physically and ours was the only one and that was the first time that it, it, it dawned on him we're doing everything else on computer and uh, when when Cerebus comes to an end that'll be it Every, everything is done on computer and when everything can be done on computer it doesn't have to be done at an office or in a store sized location uh, it's just inside your computer on your desk. So ultimately that's where publishing is going, where probably I will, you know, if I'm still doing this 20 years from now, I'll be printing the comic books uh, here at the Off-White House. Just, uh, you know, slap, slap them into the, uh, into the unit and hit the start button 
and ka-chung, 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 here the, here the comic books come, uh, wrap them up and mail them. Oh, geez, that sounds like work. It, it's a, it, Alfonso, you know, Alfonso is doing it now, but uh, that's just because he's right size for 2022. Uh, I would be completely astonished if uh, he was still the right size as a printer, uh, you know, come 2030 or 2035. That's... I know that uh, one of Paula's patients wrote a book because she's a veteran and she's publishing it through Amazon so the deal is you go to Amazon, you buy the book and then they, you know, print one copy, package it up and mail it to you. Because, you know, it's Amazon. They, they can afford to do that kind of stuff. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, but at the same time, you know, do you want to do it that way? Like, you know, it, it's one of those, at that point, when you're sending the file, you better be 100% sure that it's going to print the way you want it to print. And, you know, there's no typos and all that stuff. Because, you know, as soon as it's a, okay, I clicked the button, now I get a copy of the book, it's, it, it just, it worries me as a, you know, if all your I's aren't dotted and all your T's aren't crossed, something's going to go wrong. And and I'm pretty sure the margins for, you know, okay, you sold three copies of your book and, you know, at minus the shipping costs and the printing costs, here's your cut and you get like $5 as, as your royalty or whatever. It's like, you know, is this really a way that you, you want to try to run a business? Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's any way that anyone wants to run a business. But want has very little to do with it when uh, the technology juggernaut is, like I say, going this way, capital G going, not it might be going this way or it might not be going this way. No, it's, it's going this way. It's always going to be going in the direction of um, uh, smaller and more self-contained. The same as... Uh, no, Hollywood spends a lot of money uh, on movies that are shot on giant cameras that aren't really necessary anymore in terms of being able to film something in high enough definition that when it's uh, you know enlarged up to the size size of a of IMAX or even you know a regular film screen, uh, you can do that on your cell phone now. It's, uh, uh, that's where technology has capital G gone. You can, you can fetishize the, the giant 70 millimeter cameras and all of that kind of technology, which they do, but eventually that's, that's going to catch up with you. Um, you know, it's the same thing with, uh, with Stephen King testifying, uh, uh, about the, the merger of uh, Penguin Random House and whatever else it was to two of the top five publishers and you know this will uh, reduce competition and mean that uh, you know the, the authors that would ordinarily get a very large advance will get be getting smaller advance, advances because there's less competition in publishing it's like uh, I don't think people are really getting advances anymore. It's interesting that you're talking to Stephen King. Uh, 
when was the last time that Stephen King got an advance? And how much of an advance did he get uh, for his book? And how much did his book sell? It's like, uh, if you're talking about The Shining, then you're talking about one thing. If you're talking about uh, the last book that Stephen King wrote um, and how that did on Amazon, that's in a that's in a completely different category. Well, that's I, I I saw some of the highlights of it, and I'm just I'm going you know it's one of those I I I don't absorb the news the way I should. I, I get it all through osmosis and it's like, I hear about, oh yeah, you know, Random Penguin House and Simon and & Schuster are going to combine. I'm going, that's one of them real great ideas on paper. And then it's, you know, you know we're, the, we're the number one publisher in the world. It's like, yeah, but how many books are you guys putting out? The same as you did when you were two separate companies? Or half as many, because now you're one giant company. And... I mean... And any kid out there today dreaming of, I'm going to be the next Stephen King. No, no, man. Like, like Stephen King's probably the last Stephen King. There's not going to be... Yeah. J.K. Rowling was the last Stephen King, I think. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. That it's uh, that The other thing is um, how, how, how many of your books as... Simon and & Schuster and uh, uh, Penguin Random House, uh, let's, let's list uh, every book that uh, both of you published last year and how are they doing? Um, how, how many of those books, first of all, earned back their advance and second of all, actually made money and uh, third of all, uh, actually made uh, an appreciable amount of money. Uh, that's something that they don't talk about a whole lot. That uh, whoever the, I forget the name of the, the authoress who, uh, who wrote the book and wanted the, uh, the cover of uh, Church and State Volume 2 as part of her cover. I always uh, get her name wrong. Give me half a second. Okay. That's my... I always get her name wrong. Give me half a second to get to my nightstand. Okay. Uh, while you're doing that, um, I, I remember, you know, reading, okay, this is a New York Times bestseller author. And then, you know, when, uh, when it came time to say, okay, we're doing the paperback edition of the hardcover and, uh, you know, we, we would we would like to uh, pay for the rights to use uh, the Church and State Two cover on uh, on the paperback, and uh, I forget what the sales numbers were, but they were definitely you know um, there were Cerebus trade paperbacks that sold more you know back in the day than uh, than this book sold uh, to become a New York Times bestseller. It was just, you know, three thousand copies, five thousand copies. Uh, it, it's it's really turning into a a world's tallest midget kind of thing. Somebody with a little hammer by Mary Gateskill. And thank you. I, I have, was I was gonna I was gonna wander over to my cupboard because I know exactly where it is under uh, uh, Cerebus the Cartoon Messiah and in with. Uh, 
um, the I believe the Spanish hardcovers of uh, of High Society, and that's the one. It that's was, the one that we're talking about. It was one of those I had extra money in Amazon or something, and it was it was on my list of okay. When I have a little extra money, I'm going to buy this book. When I because every time we go to the bookstore, I'd be looking for a copy because I want to find it in the wild. And finally, I'm like, no, screw this. I'm just going to order it off Amazon and get the damn book now. And I right. got it, and I started reading. And I'm like, yeah, this has nothing to do with an artwork other than she liked the character in high school, and that's why he's on the cover of the book. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... I mean that that too is fame, where uh, what, whatever it is, and it was it was really just that cover that uh, that 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 meant that to her that she had put it. I think she had uh, wrapped a photocopy of it or something around her notebook that she she wrote in. Um, I, I read parts of parts of the book when I got it in. Uh, she was kind of interesting talking about Norman Mailer. Uh, just in terms of the fact that um, most women don't read Norman Mailer, wouldn't read Norman Mailer, and certainly would have nothing favorable to say about Norman Mailer. And uh, she wasn't in any of those three categories. So there's always a, a certain kind of uh, admiration that I get for uh, for women that are that are willing to buck the. Uh, uh, this is what you're allowed to do as a feminist. Uh, this is you aren't allowed to do as a feminist because Norman Mailer is definitely in that category. No, we don't. We don't talk about Norman Mailer. We don't, uh, uh, and we certainly don't uh, treat him as uh, as somebody worthy of favorable comment. Well, but I, I don't. I don't read books because I don't. I don't really have time. Uh, to read books, I'm just doing uh, doing Strange Death of Alex Raymond, and everything for me after that is uh, is pretty much newspapers these days. Which is, uh, I'm not I'm not going to get internet access, and I'm not going to become an internet junkie. But it really is interesting what people are turning themselves into, and don't realize that. They're turning themselves into something unrecognizable of what they used to be, and I, I, I gotta say, I really think that that's the internet. It's like I don't think you could have been a journalist uh, 20, 25 years ago. You needed to have the internet come along and turn into this. Uh, litmus test of, of thinking the right way and um, somehow merging that with uh, with what you think journalism is. So it's, you know, for me, again, coming from the 20th century and still being in the 20th century, it's, uh, uh, these people are plumb crazy, but it, it's worth, it's worth reading on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I read the, the National Post daily and, uh, you know, the Waterloo Region Record Monday and Wednesday, the Toronto Sun Monday and Wednesday, uh, the Epoch Times Friday, um, started picking up the International Express, the, uh, the London, England paper, 
uh, on Wednesday because uh, that's that's real traffic accident stuff. That's that's English journalism, which was already crazy uh, thirty years ago, and uh, now is has really turned into something quasi-human uh, now that it's merged with the internet and is and is trying to appeal to uh, to internet people. What I, I was reading a, 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 the article the other day about uh, there are immune people that like uh, like Beyonce and uh, uh, Taylor Swift uh, and Harry Styles who have such a rabid fan base that they get good reviews on everything because you find out what happens to journalists who dare to give you know Beyonce two stars out of five and it's like Oh man, you couldn't you couldn't have made that up uh, twenty five years ago. It would be no, no. Uh, human free will is a, is a much stronger thing than that. And it's like no, it's not. We uh, that's another one of those capital G going. Uh, Beyonce is taking us nowhere good, <laughs> and I can only afford to say that because we are so. Uh, micro, small, and of no interest uh, to those people that, uh, you know, we're not going to have, uh, what do they call it, doxing, because Dave Sims said something unfavorable about Beyonce on, uh, on Please Hold for Dave Sims. Note to Matt, don't put a hashtag Beyonce when we put this video up. Right, right. Let's, let's, let's not go looking for trouble because there is nothing but trouble over there. I, I have no idea where that level of capital I immunity from criticism is capital G going, but it's, it's going nowhere good. Um, really bad when it merges with politics. I mean, uh, Justin Trudeau was completely completely capital I immune to criticism and uh, still pretty much is in, in Canada and it's like boy that's really really unhealthy that's uh, um, that's just asking um, you know a personality type like Justin Trudeau hey would you like to be the chairman Mao of Canada hey sounds like fun yes I think I can decide for everybody what, what's the way Canada is going to go. And if you don't agree with that, well, hey, say goodbye to your career. That's okay. Now, now we're coming up on two hours. We're we're, we're going to wrap this up. You got any last comments on that? Well, the 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 best thing that anyone can do is something my dad did to me when I was young, and you know, more more energy and muscle than brain and working my first job and was talk, you know, basically had the attitude about, you know, I walked on water and my crap didn't stink. And my dad's like, listen, you think you're irreplaceable? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that, you know, there's no way they could replace me. And he's like, all right, go get a five-gallon pail. And I'm like, what? He's get a five-gallon pail, fill it full of water, put your hand in, splash around, have fun, pull your hand out. If you don't leave a hole in the water, you're not irreplaceable. And it, it, that's the kind of lesson that, you know, you know, 
up to a certain point, you can say, like, if I tried that with any of the kids I work with now, they'd be like, what? I don't get it. I'm like, I'm trying to tell you, you could be fired and replaced tomorrow. You think you can't, but you could. You know, and that's, that's, that, that's, you know, we got to stay humble of, okay, you know, I may not know everything, but I know what I know. And, and I could be wrong. That's, that's, that's the phrase that I think people say it and they don't really think it anymore is, you know, I could be wrong, but. Right, right. Yes, I think that um, one of the, one of the things that uh, uh, the Epoch Times uh, keeps talking about is you know how uh, communism and and the to totalitarian impulse have uh, uh, invaded and basically taken over the academic world. I think it's very hard to to argue against that. Um, my solution to that is uh, only teach facts. Don't don't teach opinions, and don't teach anything that's in dispute. Uh, because what you want to do is teach facts up to a specific point, and then teach critical thinking, um, the way to uh, uh, craft an argument. A way to uh, uh, refute something that you disagree with, apart from you know ad, ad hominem attacks. Okay, you know you don't like this guy, but uh, what about the the ideas uh, that he's presenting? Um, you should really only in school be teaching um, the boiling point of water. Um, you know uh, Newton's laws of motion. Um, irrefutable facts. Um, you know, here here's the alphabet A B C D E. No, we're we're not going to you know um, create a uh, another alphabet that's uh, you know not as colonialist kind of thing. If you just stick to irrefutable facts, then you don't you don't have to worry about that. Then it's uh, okay. Facts are over here and opinions. Are over there, and never the twain shall meet. Is I think the only way to repair this, you know, gargantuan blue state versus red state thing, where everything degenerates into an argument with uh, both sides pointing at the other and going totalitarian. It's like okay, there's nothing totalitarian about the boiling point of water. It boils at a specific temperature. Always has, always will. Let's just deal with that and forget about climate change. That's opinion stuff. Just that's that's external to education in terms of just teach facts and uh, and stay stay away from opinions. Okay, it's another Please hold for Dave Sim in the can, Matthew. It is in the can. My my, my recording app is, say, is turning red saying, okay, you're almost at the end of your recording. You, what are you going to do? And I'm go, thinking, this is a perfect time to say, okay, good night, Dave. Good night, Matt. We'll see you next month. Same bad time, same bad channel. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so, Dave's offer, 
$1,000 sketchbook cover. Or you want to give more money, you get a better cover. It, it that's you know, ten bucks is ten bucks is is the best way to put this. You know, so everybody dig through the couch cushions and see what money you got left. I mean, I understand there's Kickstarters up the wazoo and and you got to save up for the forty four different uh, turtles covers. I mean, there can't possibly be that many, right? Right? Okay. Uh, last one, I'll turn out the lights uh, and be good to each other and whatever you do. Uh, I, this is the part where you're supposed to say like, share, and subscribe, but I don't care about that. So uh, after this, find some classical music and just, or, or old Bugs Bunny cartoons with classical music and, and get some culture. Okay. Good night, everybody.